worst things you can be called is intolerant. Intolerant and narrow-minded. I mean, intolerance today is seen as equal to being a racist. So do you consider yourself a tolerant person? Most of us would like to think we're tolerant, but according to the culture's new definition of tolerance, you may be considered very intolerant. This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukerin. Dr. Zukerin hosted a conference in Hawaii recently to discuss some of the most compelling topics today and offered an evaluation from a Christian standpoint. Today, Dr. Zukerin speaks on tolerance gone too far and whether this new definition is a good thing or terribly destructive. And as we begin today, we want to invite you to our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find information on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, featuring past shows, interviews with experts, books, articles, and more. We think you'll love the topics, so check us out today. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat Zuckerman on Tolerance Gone Too Far. What is one of the worst things that you can be called today? Hmm? Moron? Loser? Ugly? What's one of the worst things you can be called? I'll tell you what it is. One of the worst things you can be called is intolerant. Intolerant and narrow-minded. I mean, intolerance today is seen as equal to being a racist. Many of us are afraid of being labeled intolerant by our peers around us, whether at school or at work. However, one of the most dangerous ideas being embraced by our culture today is a new and dangerous and false definition of tolerance. See, tolerance is one of the most valued virtues of our society today, but it is also one of the most misunderstood and misapplied. And the charge leveled against Christians today is this, that Christianity is a dangerous religion because it practices intolerance. Christians believe that they have the divine revelation of God, that their beliefs and values are true, and apply to all people. And they do not accept beliefs that conflict with biblical teaching or behavior that's contrary to what Christ commanded. It is therefore alleged that it is the intolerance of Christians that is the cause of much of the conflict and unrest in society today. However, as I'm gonna show you, the intolerance our culture embraces today is a false and dangerous definition. Let me give you the two definitions of tolerance that are out there. Number one, here is the dictionary definition of tolerance according to Webster's. The definition of tolerance according to Webster's dictionary is to recognize and respect others' beliefs and practices without sharing them. Right? To say, I disagree with you, but I'm going to practice civility towards you and I respect you as a person, even though I disagree and I think your views are wrong. It's because we disagree, it's because we think the other person is wrong, we practice tolerance. It values and respects the individual's beliefs without approving or participating in his or her beliefs and behavior. This kind of tolerance is rooted in biblical teaching. Jesus said here in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Galatians 6, Paul said this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Romans 12, Live in harmony with one another, 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, true tolerance is based on biblical teaching. Christianity emphasized that it was a faith for all. It welcomed all races of all tribes and tongues of all nations. Jesus taught love your enemies. Jesus taught to care for the weak and the rejected of society. And the apostles and Christ, although they tolerated everyone, although they embraced all people to join the family of faith, they spoke out against false teaching. They did not tolerate injustice. They did not tolerate sinful behavior. You see, true tolerance has moral boundaries. Now, here is the new, and I think a very destructive and dangerous new definition of tolerance that our culture has accepted today. Maybe many of you have come to understand this is what tolerance really means. Now, the new definition of tolerance is built on the idea of relativism, of postmodern relativism, that there are no absolute truths. Truth is not something we discover. Truth is something we create. Each individual creates their own reality and their own truth. People can have contradictory beliefs and still be true at the same time. There are no absolutes. And built on this comes the new tolerance. The new tolerance teaches this. Since there are no absolute truths, all values, beliefs, lifestyles, and truth claims are equally valid and true. Therefore, no one has the right to judge another person's view as right or wrong. If there are no absolutes, everyone's view is equally valid and true, you have no right to say this lifestyle is wrong or this person's belief system is right or wrong. To speak out against it or to challenge it is to be narrow-minded. It's to be bigoted. It's to be intolerant. One of the worst things that you can be labeled in our culture today. George Barna, sociologist, did a survey and he found that the majority of Christian teenagers from good evangelical churches buy in to the new definition of tolerance. He did a survey on American culture and 80% of Americans in general buy in to this new and dangerous and false definition of tolerance. Let me give you an example of this new tolerance in action here. We know that this past year, our state legislature passed a bill to make uh, September 24th Islam Day here in Hawaii. Now, what was the basis of their argument for making this day Islam Day? Did they state because of the teachings of the Quran, we think are so great, we need to celebrate Islam Day in Hawaii? Is that why? Did they say it's because of the history of Muhammad and the life that he led and the example that he led that we're going to celebrate Islam Day? If you study the teachings of the Quran and the Hadith and you look at the biography of Muhammad, I've got two articles on that, Jesus and Muhammad and, and, and the teachings in the Quran. You may want to think about that. They didn't build their argument on the teachings of the Quran or on the life of the Muhammad. Why did they say we need to celebrate Islam Day in Hawaii? We are a state of what? Tolerance. That's why. Not because of what the Quran teaches and it's so great or because of the life that Muhammad lived. It says we are a state of tolerance. Okay? A uh, democratic senator stated, we understand that people have different beliefs. We may not all agree, 
on every single item and issue out there, but to say and highlight the negativity of the Islamic people is an insult to the majority of believers who are good law-abiding citizens of the world. What was the reason given that we must celebrate Islam Day? Tolerance. To show that we are a tolerant society. Had they studied the Quran and the teachings of Islam? Had they studied the history of Islam? It's a very interesting history. When Muslims become 10%, they begin to demand Sharia law. When they become 20%, the demands come even greater. When they become the majority, okay, they do not treat non-Muslims as equal. All right? Study the history of Islam. Study the life of Muhammad. This is not a tolerant religion. And a culture that accepts the new tolerance, okay, this new definition, is really drinking its own poison. Let's explain why this new definition of tolerance will have a very corrosive effect on the church and on our nation as a whole. Let me ask you two questions. Are all beliefs equally valid and true? Should all beliefs, therefore, be tolerated? Should we tolerate the beliefs of the KKK? Or should we stand against such belief systems and try to persuade people in that movement that their beliefs are incorrect and that they need to move to a more right, morally good and just position? Or do we tolerate them as being equally valid and true and give them all the rights of our society? What about the Taliban okay, that believes in the destruction of the West and of the non-Muslim world? Should we tolerate their beliefs? especially their practice that has been denounced as abusive upon women. Should we tolerate their beliefs as equally valid and true? Do their ideas deserve to be respected and considered equally true as all others? Or should we stand against their ideas? Should we tolerate the ideology of a nation like Nazi Germany? You see, all beliefs aren't equally valid and true. Should we tolerate groups that teach racial discrimination or allow the abuse of women or the exploitation of children? You see, true tolerance has moral guidelines and boundaries. A truly tolerant and good society can distinguish between laws that are good from laws that are unjust. They can distinguish between behavior that is moral and immoral. Should we tolerate such beliefs that say, and this is from the Quran, okay? If you don't believe me, you know, just go read it for yourself. How should we treat those who don't agree with our belief system? <clears throat> Fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them, and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem. Is that the kind of teaching and ideology we should tolerate, or should we stand against it? Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor in the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and His Prophet, nor acknowledge the people of truth, even if they are people of the book. Christian and Jews, until they pay the tax with willing submissions and feel themselves subdued. Fight against them until they are willing to live as second-class citizens and pay the heavy tax. Is this kind of belief system we want to willingly tolerate or stand against? How about this one, women? Men are the maintainers of women because Allah has made them to excel others and because they spend out of their property. The good women are therefore obedient, guarding the unseen as Allah has guarded. As to those on whose part you fear desertion, admonish them, leave them alone in their sleeping places, and beat them. And if they obey you, do not seek a way against them. 
Is that a kind of teaching we want to tolerate or stand up against? How about this one? The prophet said, isn't the witness of a woman equal to half that of a man? The woman said, yes. And he said, this is because of the deficiency of a woman's mind. Should we tolerate belief systems that treat women as unequal and lower than men? Should we tolerate that as being equally valid and true? You see, true tolerance and a truly tolerant society has moral guidelines and boundaries. And if you stand for nothing, you'll fall to anything. You see, because the new tolerance demands we accept all beliefs and lifestyles, even if they are false and dangerous. And false ideas like the new tolerance will corrode the moral foundation of a culture which can no longer define right or wrong and no longer has the courage to stand up against false ideas and practices. And eventually a, a quote, tolerant society will be destroyed by false ideas and those intolerant of it. George Barna writes this after his survey and the new tolerance, he says this, without any insight into the vacuous and dangerous philosophy that they have unwittingly accepted, teenagers are facing a rapidly changing world armed with a worldview that places them at the center, lifts up personal experience and emotion as the arbiter of decency and righteousness and rejects historical experience as relevant to today's world. It will ultimately undermine the capacity of America to be a beacon of goodness, sanity, morality, and purposeful faith. Philosopher Karl Popper writes this, if we extend unlimited tolerance, even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed and tolerance with them. The new tolerance is a very dangerous and false definition for any culture to embrace. Are all beliefs equally valid and true? No. Secondly, the new tolerance is not livable. Okay? You can't live by the new tolerance. We do not tolerate and treat every belief system and behavior as equally valid and true. You know, one of the favorite lines of uh, people who have embraced the new tolerance is, do not judge. Don't judge. Do not judge lest you be judged. Bernard Madoff robbed hundreds of people of all of their financial future. Largest Ponzi scheme in history, over $50 billion. When he was being tried, how many people who had their money stolen stood up and said, let's just tolerate him. Let's tolerate that. That's okay. No, they all said, we want what? Justice. Some people were saying, that's okay about my money, and I don't want revenge, I want justice. Nobody was saying, hey, hey, all belief systems are equally valid and true. No, there were moral boundaries there. Were they being intolerant? How about this? What happened on 9-11? How many people in the U.S. stood up and said, we just need to tolerate those guys? You know, they're just living out their belief system. Man, that's the culture they grew up in. That's all they know. We just got to tolerate them, man. No. Everyone in the U.S. was saying, we need justice. We need to execute justice on those who have committed these crimes. See, the new tolerance is not livable. There are universal moral absolutes which we all adhere to. 
That's how we're designed, created in the image of God. We all have a moral conscience. Romans chapter 2 says it's the law of God written upon our hearts. There are universal moral absolutes which every healthy society must live by, stand for, and be willing to defend. A good and tolerant society must therefore be able to distinguish between good and evil. And this requires a universal moral law code by which we know what we will tolerate and what ideas and behaviors and laws are unjust and that we will stand against. There is a universal moral absolute, a universal law code that we all adhere to. The right and wrong, the moral law code that we have is rooted in the very character of God. It reflects the character of God and it is revealed in His Word, the Bible. How do we know the Bible is the Word of God? Well, we got several proofs. One of the strongest was presented by Gary Habermas tonight. If Jesus Christ is indeed the resurrected divine Son of God, He confirmed His claim to be the divine Son of God through His miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Jesus declared the Bible alone is the Word of God. And in order for an ethical system to be absolute and universal and objective, it cannot derive its source from a man. It must derive its source from something or someone that is above us, that is outside of us, and that is unchanging. And since God is the ruler and creator over all, He is sovereign over all creation, His laws apply to all people and all cultures. Since God is outside of us, His laws are objective. And since God is unchanging, since God's character does not change, His laws do not change. Healthy human body does not tolerate everything that enters into its system. What is not good for the body, a healthy body will fight and reject. There are universal moral absolutes which every good society must live by, stand for, and defend. Kirby Anderson, who will be following me, will be tackling one of the uh, hottest issues of our time, homosexuality. Can we say that lifestyle is right or wrong? How should we respond to it? The way we respond, we must adhere to the universal moral law code established by God, rooted in His character and revealed in His Word. The last section is this, and I want to cover this because many people allege that Jesus taught the new tolerance. You know, John 3.16 used to be the most popular verse that everybody knew. In our culture today, it's Matthew 7.1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. You know one of the most hostile arenas for me to speak in is, do you know? It's the church. It's a lot of the churches. Some of the most hostile places for me to speak. You know, before it was the you know, university campuses where you would have skeptics and all that. Now, it's a lot of churches that I go in. It's one of the most hostile places for me to speak. I remember I was in a church in uh, San Diego and I was speaking on the authority of the Bible and a lady raised her hand and said, I have a question for you. She said, you believe that's the word of God? I said, yes it is. She said, is homosexuality a sin? And I said, according to the Bible, yes. And she immediately jumped up and she said, you should not judge. The Bible says you should not judge. You can't say that. You should not judge. You should not judge. You know, and uh, she started going off and we finally calmed her down. Finally started to reason with her. I said, Romans chapter 1. Does the Bible say homosexuality is a sinful lifestyle? 
It's not about it. She said, well, that's just your interpretation. And I said, okay, what is your interpretation of that verse? So she looked at it for a while. And she said, well, doesn't Matthew 1 say it? You should not judge lest you be judged. And I said, that is a false interpretation of the passage. And many in our culture and many Christians today have incorrectly understood that passage. What did Jesus mean in that passage? Jesus did not say, never judge anyone's lifestyle or beliefs as true or false. He was not saying that. In fact, you look in the following verses, Jesus judged and identified false teaching. In the very next passage, what did he say? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. It's not being judgmental. There's a very narrow way to salvation, and a very wide gate that leads to destruction. You know what? The majority of belief systems out there are what? Wrong. He was identifying false teaching. He said, there's one way. Okay, and that's through me. All others are wrong. Okay, isn't that judging? Watch out for false prophets. Wait a minute. He's calling guys teaching wrong. And the guys who perpetuate teaching that is contrary to God's word are false prophets, false teachers. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Hey, isn't that judging? Hmm, let's look at the next passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. If we go by the new definition of tolerance, we'll have to conclude Jesus was one of the most intolerant, judgmental, narrow-minded, unloving people who ever lived. And you, know, you even talk to non-Christians. They're not willing uh, to say that he was unloving or intolerant. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying this. Jesus was saying, do not judge hypocritically or by the false standard of man. Right? What do you say in the next passage? Do not say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a two-by-four in yours. First, take the two-by-four out of yours then you can say to your brother, take, I'll take the speck out of your eye. What was he saying? Don't judge hypocritically. Don't judge other people's sin until you have first dealt with your own. Then when you have, okay, you can tell your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. He was saying, do not judge by the hypocritical false standard of men. And Jesus says, for in the same way you judge, you will be judged. Your hypocrisy will be your own judge. Don't point out and condemn other people's sin while overlooking your own sin. We are not to set ourselves as superior to others and see ourselves above judgment. Some of Jesus' strongest words were condemnation against hypocrisy. So Jesus wasn't saying, don't judge, don't ever judge. Jesus judged between right and wrong. He spoke out against false teaching. He spoke against sinful behavior. And so did the apostles. What he's saying is do not judge hypocritically according to the false standards of men. What are some implications for today, therefore? Well, first, we must not bow down to the new tolerance, but we must have the courage to stand against false ideas. Secondly, when you do judge, you must exhibit humility and be consistent 
with God's standards. And Jesus also said, by the standard by which you judge, you too shall be judged. Can we tell people according to the word of God that your lifestyle is wrong and sinful? Yes. But by doing that, we place ourselves also under the standard of God's word. And other people have the right to come up to us and say, you know what, according to God's word, what you did was sin or wrong behavior. When you judge, we must exhibit humility and be consistent with God's standards. And finally, remember this. Those who stand for truth can't expect hostility from the culture that is in rebellion against God. The new tolerance is a false and dangerous and very destructive, very corrosive definition if we embrace it. And if we do as a culture and a nation, we end up drinking our own poison. It's our prayer that the people of God okay, will not succumb to this new definition. They'll be able to defend the true definition of tolerance, live it out consistently with God's word, and have the courage to stand up and speak truth, even, even if it hurts, even if we're going to take a lot of heat for it. Well, we're out of time today on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin, but Dr. Zucharin has much more on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find more on today's tolerance and resources on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. And it really is a blessing when you offer a gift to Evidence and Answers to help keep us on the air and online, giving an intelligent presentation of the claims of Christ and a biblical evaluation on a multitude of hot topics. Just click the Donate button at evidenceandanswers.org. And please do so today. It means so much to us to hear from you. That's evidenceandanswers.org. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucker.